Well, good morning, church. I'll tell you what happened to me on Thursday. Um, Here lately, I've been filling in and doing some uh, announcing at the C-Team football game uh, for the Wren Hurricanes. And so I was over at the football stadium on Thursday night, and I was announcing the game. And uh, somewhere in the middle of the game, there's a flag on the play. So, so, you know, I got the microphone and said, flag on the play. Announced that, you know, the ref turned around, gave us the, the, the sign as to what the penalty was, and I announced the penalty. I said, penalty on the play, the penalty is roughing the pastor. <laughs> I wish I could blame it on somebody, you know, but uh, that's happened a time or two, though. We've had to throw that flag a time or two, roughing the pastor, but... Uh, <laughs> I tell you that to, to, to explain to you, if you've come today to hear something from Keith, uh, you're out of luck. But if you've come today to hear something from God, he may have something to say to you. If you come today to hear my words, I'll probably mess them up. But if you come today to hear his word, his voice can speak very loudly. As I'm going to ask you today to not only listen well, I'm going to ask you to take a lot of notes because of what we're talking about this morning is something that will uh, apply to every person here. What we're talking about this morning will hopefully answer some questions that you have had. And what we're talking about this morning will hopefully bring comfort to some of you who have lost somebody, a loved one, in recent days or months or years. On October the 5th, 2016, not that long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, October the 5th, 2016, new research in aging was published in the journal Nature. The team of researchers evaluated data from around the world and concluded that even with all the medical advances that we've had in our technology, even with all the medical advances that we've had, the human lifespan maxes out at about 115 years. They've studied people from all around the world, and, and when they put all the data together, it, 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 they came to that conclusion that, that, humanly speaking, we all, the max we could ever hope for would be about 115 years. And a geneticist at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York described it this way. She said, it seems extremely difficult, if not impossible, to break through that ceiling of 115 years due to the complexity of the aging process. That statement, when I read it, reminded me of those familiar and solemn words in Ecclesiastes 3.2 that says, there is a time to be born and a time to die. And we max out as humans at about 115 years. In fact, if I were to survey you, I doubt that anybody here knows anybody that has lived to be 110 years. But humanly speaking, scientists tell us now that we'll max out, max out at about 115 years. There is a time to be born and there is a time to die. We don't know when that time is, but I'm going to tell you something. God does. He determines the number of our days that we live. In fact, David wrote in Psalm 31... But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. And listen to what he said. My times are in your hands. 
what David said was true back then and it is true now. It is true for every person listening to me today. Our times are in His hands. But then what? If a man dies, will he live again? At one point or another, we've all wondered that. We've all wondered what Job actually said out loud. If a man dies, will he live again? In other words, is this it? What is beyond the grave? If there is something else, what is beyond the grave? Is, is there any kind of life out there when this life is over? If there's anything that shows how weak we truly are, ladies and gentlemen, and how strong God is, it is what happens to us when we die. You may feel like you're a pretty strong individual, but your days are in His hands. And no matter how strong you are, there is a day coming, unless the Lord Jesus comes back first, there is a day coming when you will die. Ecclesiastes 8.8 says it so well. It says, No man has power over the wind to contain it, and so no one has power over the day of his death. I am weak, but he is strong. No one has power over the wind to contain it. And just in the same way, the Bible says, No one has power over the day of his death. Say this with me. That's in God's hands. Say that out loud. That's in God's hands. See, the next time you're outside and the wind starts blowing, just put up your hands and try to stop it. It's not going to happen, is it? And the writer Ecclesiastes says, in the same way, you have no power over the day of your death. Just like it is impossible for you to stop the wind, it is impossible for you to stop the day of death that is coming for you and for me. That's why James 4.14 says, You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Not only are you not in charge of your tomorrows, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. He says, For what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So if you don't know what will happen tomorrow, how in the world can we know what will happen after death? Well, thankfully, God tells us. Aren't you glad that God reveals in His Word things we could never know on our own? That He reveals in His Word things that we could never figure out by ourselves. And so let's open God's Word as we're doing a, this series called I Am Weak and He Is Strong. We're doing a series through 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and chapter 5. And so today we've made it to chapter 5 verse 1. We're going to look at several verses, nine verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> I encourage you to, to have a Bible or to get one handy. Turn your Bible on if you've got a phone. Make sure, though, you also have something to take notes. Make sure you... I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture today. You won't be able to turn to all of it. And so make sure you've got something to at least write down the references. There's three things I want to talk to you about as we think about the, the idea of what happens after we die, when we, are, when we know Christ, when we are a Christian. The first thing that he reveals to us in verse 1 is this, and write this down, point number 1. He tells us that death really only impacts your body. That's the first foundational truth. Death really only impacts your body. Look how he describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. 
Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in, that is our body, is destroyed, and we'll talk about what that word destroyed means in a moment. Now we know that if this earthly tent we live in, our body is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Right now, you and I are living in what Paul would call a tent. In chapter 4, he referred to us as jars of clay. In chapter 5, he switches the metaphor. Paul was a tent maker by trade. And, and so, one day perhaps as he was making a tent, maybe the Spirit of God gave him this insight that the bodies that we have are like these tents he was making. And we put these tents up and they're a temporary dwelling place. And the Apostle Paul said, that's what you are. That's what your body is. It is a temporary dwelling place for your spirit. 2 Corinthians 1.13, don't turn there, just write down the reference. 2 Corinthians 1.13 says, as long as I live in the tent of this body, he's talking about the length of his life, and he says, as long as I live in the tent of this body. This means that the real you is not your body. The real you is the spirit that lives in your body. The real you lives in a temporary body. That's why, look at the text. In verse 6, he talks about being at home in the body. Notice that phrasing, in the body, as if there is something living inside that tent, someone living inside that tent. Paul talks about being at home in the body. Verse 8, he talks about being away from the body. Verse 9, he talks about being at home in the body or away from it. Verse 10, he talks about the things that were done while in the body. Ladies and gentlemen, the first foundational truth you've got to get in your mind is this, that death really only impacts this tent. It only impacts our bodies. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus said you need to understand something. Someone might be able to kill your body, but, but the real you will continue to live. So read verse 1 again with that context. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in, that there's a real you inside this earthly tent. There's a, there's a, a real you inside this body. And we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So when he talks about this building from God, he's not, talking about our, he's not talking about heaven. He's talking about the heavenly body that you and I will one day get. The Living Bible makes it so plain. Listen to verse 1 of the Living Bible. For we know that when this tent we live in now is taken down, when we die and leave these bodies, we will have wonderful new bodies in heaven, a home where, our, where we will live forevermore, made for us by God himself, not built by human hands. That's why Paul said that our bodies are like a tent. Because we only have them for a short while. You see, here's what I know about tents. By the way, how many have a tent? Do you have a tent at home? How many, raise your hand. You, how many you own a tent? All right? I know where to borrow one now. Thank you. Actually, we've got one as well. I started bringing, put it up on stage. But let me ask you about your tent. How many of you spent the night in your tent last night? Raise your hand. I don't think anybody, if I'm, I, don't, I don't think anybody did. Because you understand, don't you, that that tent is temporary. You take that tent to the campground, or if you've got little kids, you take that tent to the backyard, 
And that's what we did with ours most of the time. And you put the tent up knowing you're going to take it down the next day or in the next couple of days. You don't leave the tent up per- permanently. You understand that tent is a temporary dwelling. You're going to live in it, you're going to sleep in it, but it's only going to be for a day or at most a week while you're at the beach. It's temporary. And Paul says that's the way you are. This thing that has skin on it is simply a tent. And the spirit, the real you, lives inside that tent. You see, here's the good news for the Christian. Someday, you're going to give up this tent and replace it, as he says in verse 1, with a building made by God Himself. And that one fact ought to tell you something incredible about death. Let me describe death for you from a Christian perspective. For the Christian, death is an exchange. We trade in a temporary tent for an eternal house in heaven. I think that's a pretty good deal. How about you? Go to Philippians chapter 3. Let me show you. Go over to the right. Philippians chapter 3. This is exactly what Paul is talking about. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. And 21. Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 21. Who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, watch what he says here, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Death is an exchange. It's an exchange. We'll go a little deeper with that in a moment, but the Christian, here's what the Lord showed me when I was studying this. The Christian never loses when he or she dies. Because death is an exchange. That's why Paul said in Philippians 1.23, he said, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. So just remember this, first foundational stone. Remember this, death really only impacts your body because there's the, there's a, the real you, your spirit, lives inside that tent. One day that tent will be taken down for every one of us. One day that tent will be old and flimsy and worn out, and one day that tent will be taken down. Or maybe there will be, God forbid, an accident, and one day that tent will will be taken down. But the real you will continue to live because the real you is not the tent. The real you is the spirit that lives inside that tent. All right, so let me get to the second foundational stone. Number two, when a Christian dies, their spirit immediately goes to heaven. When a Christian dies, their spirit immediately goes to heaven. I'm trying to emphasize that word immediately. Look in, chapter, look in 2 Corinthians 5 again, verses 6 through 8. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, talking about our spirit being at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body, our spirit away from the body, And at home with the Lord. Do you understand what that text is telling us? 
This text is making very clear that the body can be destroyed, but never the spirit. Your real self lives in your body, and when your body gives out and quit, quit functioning, that spirit will continue to live somewhere. Your spirit does not cease to exist at death. Your spirit never dies. Let that sink in for a moment. The real you, your spirit, never dies. Herschel Hobbes, the great theologian, said, Beyond the death of our physical bodies lies the life that never ends. Listen to this. This is so good. Beyond the death of our physical bodies lies the life that never ends. The body we are in the body, he said, we are mortal, but in our spirits we are immortal. Paul says, I'd prefer to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. And I want you to notice, I tried to emphasize this. He's just talking about an immediate transference. At home in the body or away from the Lord, he says, or to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Now, here's why that's important. Everybody listen. The reason that is important is because some would have you to believe that once a Christian dies, they go to a, to a temporary place, and they're in this temporary place, uh, and it's called soul sleep. But that's not found in Scripture anywhere. Others would have you to believe that when a Christian dies, they go to purgatory. And if they work their way out, hopefully they can and will work their way out of purgatory and then go to heaven. Again, that's not found in Scripture anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no soul sleep. There is no purgatory. The Bible says that when the Christian takes their last breath, when this body, when this tent stops functioning, then the spirit that lives inside that tent immediately goes into the presence of Jesus in heaven. Now, you say, well, I don't understand it. Do we have a, is that when we get our bodies? No, write down this word, this phrase. This is what scholars call the disembodied state. The disembodied state. This is that time when we move out of our earthly bodies and our spirits are in heaven without our heavenly body. And if that sounds really strange to you, I understand. But let me try to explain it to you from a practical standpoint. My mom and dad uh, are both in heaven. When I say that, here's what I mean. Their spirits are in heaven. Their bodies are not. I could take you to Johnson City, Tennessee, to the cemetery, and point you to where their bodies are laying in the ground. I've got pictures of it, of the tombstone. I know exactly where their bodies are laying, but that's not them anymore. That was, that's just the tent they were living in. We put that tent in the ground. But their spirit, when they took their last breath, their spirit went immediately into the presence of Jesus. And now they are in this disembodied state. And what I mean by that is simply, they don't have their glorified heavenly body yet. So, Pastor, when will they get that? Well, let's look at Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. He says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. 
That is, nobody is taking their, their tent with them into heaven. Nobody is taking their physical body with them into heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable, our bodies, inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. This is indeed a mystery. I like the way that he uses that word. I'm thankful for that word. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be, what's that next word? Changed. I saw that sign on the nursery one day. I tell you, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Might be good to put in your baby's nursery. He says, I, I tell you it's a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And he, then he describes it. It's going to happen in a flash. In a twinkling of an eye. When? At the last trumpet. The last resurrection. If you want to write that in the column of your Bible. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised, our bodies imperishable, and we will be changed. There's the word. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable, when this time occurs, when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and when the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death is swallowed up. In victory. Paul says, listen, you need to understand, death does not terminate your existence. Death simply changes your existence for the Christian. Well, the great Christian educator and, and writer, Oswald Chambers, died. His family sent out a telegram with, to his friend, and the telegram consisted of only four words, Oswald in his presence. Those four words communicated so much to that friend, Oswald in his presence. Those four words tell the story of every Christian that at death, our spirit immediately goes into his presence to be with the Lord forever. I like what Jesus told the thief on the cross. Jesus, as he was dying, said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. He was not talking about his physical body because it was nailed to a cross. It was going to be placed in a grave. But he said to that guy, today, you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say anything about you're going to go in the grave and soul sleep. He didn't say today, you'll be going to purgatory. He said today, you'll be with me in paradise. Again, not his body, but his spirit. You see, at the moment that you die, 2 Corinthians 5 says that your spirit, your spirit immediately goes away from the body and is at home with the Lord. Which brings me to this third foundational truth that I want to make sure you get. I've hinted at this, but I want to explain it to you now. The third foundational truth is this. You will one day be given a heavenly body. And all God's people said, Amen. You'll one day be given a heavenly body. Paul describes it for us back in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2. Here's how he describes that transaction. Meanwhile, we groan, longing 
to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, that is, with our heavenly body. Because when we are clothed, when we do get that heavenly body, we will not be found naked, that is, without that heavenly body. For while we are in this tent, this body we live in, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed without a heavenly body, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. In verses 2 through 4, Paul looks beyond death and he's looking beyond the disembodied state. He's looking to that time when we will be clothed with our heavenly body. He talks about this word naked. It means to be completely unclothed. Of course, it means to be without covering. And Paul says in this context, he's talking about our spirit being without our heavenly body. That's that disembodied state, if you will. And Paul was looking forward to the time when we would obtain that heavenly body. The best way I can describe it, this is not original with me. I heard it from somebody else, though I don't remember who it was. But basically, this guy, this pastor said, right now we live in an earth suit. It is a suit designed for this environment. This earth suit is different colors, but this earth suit was designed to live in this environment called planet earth. We all have an earth suit. We call it our body. But when we get to heaven, one day at the final resurrection, our bodies will be brought up out of the ground, reunited with our spirits, and at that moment, as the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, we will all be changed. And we will have not an earth suit, but we will have a heavenly suit. Now, I don't mean a suit like this one. I simply mean a spiritual suit, a body suitable for the confines of heaven. Right now, we have a body suitable for this earth. But one day, because of God's goodness and God's graciousness and God's power, one day we will have a spiritual body suited for the confines of heaven. Now, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want you to see how he lays this out for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, going back there, beginning in verse 35. First Corinthians 15, verse 35. Read this carefully with me. Someone may ask, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body will they come? See, they had these kind of questions even in the days of the Bible. What kind of body are we going to have? Verse 36, how foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed perhaps of wheat or of something else. Verse 40. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. There's two different kinds. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind. The splendor of the earthly bodies is another. Verse 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. Now watch carefully. The body that is sown is what, church? Perishable. It is raised, it's changed, it's raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised, it is changed, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. And notice verse 44, it is sown a natural body. That's what you have right now. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. That's what you need to underline. It is sown a natural body. That's what you have right now, an earth suit. It is raised a spiritual body, a body suited for the confines of heaven. And then verse 49, 
to top it all off. Verse 49. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Just like we look like earthly people, because that's what we are, one day we'll look like Jesus, is what he's saying. You say, well, Pastor, how can we be sure that all this is going to happen that way? Well, don't take my word for it. First of all, you can know in two ways. Number one, God has revealed it to us in Scripture. God has told us what's going to happen on the other side of death. We've never been there. We couldn't figure it out. But God revealed it to us, and aren't you glad? But not only has He revealed it to us, He has promised it to us. Look in chapter 5 again, 2 Corinthians 5. Look at verse 5. Now, it is God who has made us for this very purpose... God's the one that figured it out. God's the one that designed it all. And it's God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You learned this verse when you were a little child, most of you. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Did you ever stop and think about what that verse is saying? Did you ever stop and realize that that verse is not talking about your body? You know and I know. Your body's not going to have eternal life. You know and I know that your body's one day going to end. You know and I know that your body's going to be placed in the ground. You know and I know that you're going to die. Though when he was talking about For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. He wasn't talking about the body. He was talking about your spirit. The you that lives inside this tent. And your spirit is going to live in one of two places. When this tent is taken down, Your spirit will continue to live, and it will either live in heaven or it will live in hell. Those are your only two choices. It will either live in heaven or it will live in hell. You immediately go into heaven or you immediately go to hell. Uh, And it's it's inevitable. There there is no other way around that. You you can't say, well, I need a third choice or I need a little more time. No, when the, the tent is taken down, when the body ceases to exist, the spirit continues to live and it's going to go somewhere and it will either go to heaven or it will go to hell. And the question I have for you today is a somber, sobering question. If you're one of those who you have kind of pushed that decision off, if you're one of those people and you, you've kind of said, I'll do that later, I intend to, but not now, let me ask you a question. Is what you're holding on to really worth what you're forfeiting? I'm going to do that later because, you see, I, I still want to party some. Is what you're holding on to worth what you're forfeiting? I'm going to do that later. I'm going to push that decision on down the road later because, because there's some other things I want, to, I want to make my money first. Is what you're holding on to worth what you're forfeiting? I'm going to do that later, but, but first, I've got this relationship, and I kind of enjoy it, and I know that if I go to Jesus, I may have to give up this relationship, so I'm going to do the Jesus thing later so I can have this relationship. Is what you're holding on to worth what you're forfeiting?
Because I can promise you this. The real you will never stop living. The real you is going to live for eternity somewhere. And I hope and I pray it's in heaven. It's what you're holding on to worth what you're forfeiting. Let's bow our heads together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Today you're, you have the opportunity just to respond to whatever God has said. And if in your heart of hearts you know that you don't know the Lord, you know that you don't have that relationship with Him, you know that the real you is not ready for eternity. Today you can do that. You can come to faith in Christ if you will simply Believe that God loves you and that Jesus died for your sins. It's the atoning sacrifice. If you'll repent and believe in Christ, receive Him as your Savior, you can come to Christ today. I'm going to ask you to do that. And I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to drag out the invitation. We're not going to sing four verses and hopefully somebody eventually comes. We're singing one verse. Unless people are coming, we're singing one verse. But if you're coming, we'll sing another verse. I'm going to ask that nobody be moving around. I'm going to ask that nobody be leaving. I'm going to ask that you prayerfully consider is what you're holding on to worth what you're forfeiting? And I'm going to ask you on this first stanza, as soon as we sing, for you to come, repent of your sins, and trust in Christ as your Savior. Father, in the name of Jesus, not because I have spoken, but because your Spirit has spoken. Not because I am good, but because you are gracious. I pray someone might respond to this invitation. Thank you for telling us ahead of time that when we die, the Spirit never does. And I pray that you would convict us if our spirit is not heading toward heaven. And I pray that in Jesus' name.